You are listening to Fed by Ravens. With Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. <laughs> I just blanked. Realized I didn't finish the title. Well, it's so important for people to know, who are the people behind these voices? So I'm glad you said that. Anyway. I'm Matt. <laughs> welcome, Matt. Welcome to day 253 and 254. I mean, we are real close to the 100-day mark. I know. We're glad you're with us. We are honestly sitting around the scriptures, talking through them in a year, in their entirety. Mm-hmm. So uh, we like to connect it to kind of the oral tradition of uh, talking about the story of God and how it interacts with the stories of our lives and where we find ourselves. So let's get into it. We have some good news today from mm-hmm. the prophet. Good news, bad news, good news. Isaiah. Good news, bad news, no news. Our Old Testament reading for today is Isaiah chapters 24 through 28. So we just went through kind of the oracles that you can't trust any of the surrounding nations or their strength. Yeah. Or the relationship you've had with Egypt. Correct. How you always flee there during famine because mm-hmm. they got the mighty Nile. And yep. that's all God, it's all under God's judgment because the people of God, the, the, the shining light yes. to the world has yes. been snuffed out by faithlessness, mm-hmm. idolatry, injustice, and just being mean to the poor. Just being mean-spirited. He was really mean-spirited how you looked at me. Mm-hmm. So we kind of take a turn here with Isaiah, who is like, well, what you start to see is, I believe Jesus roots his whole ministry yes. in the, the prophecies of Isaiah, because I think when Jesus comes on the scene, he realizes the remaining, the remnant of Israel, mm-hmm. the Jewish people now at mm-hmm. this point, are, have everything in common with the people before the exile. Like, they're still thinking yes. in terms of, we're okay, right? Because we man- yes. manipulate the God of this area. And so Jesus is having to deal with them in the same way. He can't deal with them, like, using the Garden of Eden metaphor. Not metaphor, mm-hmm. but he can't even connect to that. He's not really connecting to even the Exodus. He does at times. But predominantly, he's rooted in these prophecies because even though uh, when he's, when Jesus, we're talking about Jesus now, when Jesus is around, the Romans are in charge. The, the Jewish people aren't even in charge of their own area. Mm-hmm. Yet they still have this kind of arrogance that they're okay. Right. They're just totally deaf mm-hmm. to the realities. And so Jesus says, no, I'm saying the same things as Isaiah, but I'm saying them with more power. I am he. Mm-hmm. And that's why they crucified him. Oh, yeah. Well, I, the, he actually, they do kind of actually give an allusion to that reality, to the fact that the remnant is actually going to just end up being like the people that were destroyed. (laughs) You mean in Isaiah? Yeah, Yeah. in these chapters and in these readings. So in chapter 24, uh, the vision now moves from the specific nations to the earth. Yes. And is like the judgment is coming onto the entire land or the earth, and the curse, man's sin, is actually devouring and infecting the land itself. Yes, And the land is suffering for our behavior. So it is like any kind of infectious disease. It slowly affected the area where it started, but it spread to the rest of the body like a cancer. Mm -hmm. Untreated, it's going to the rest of that whole area. So all those now are wiped, like they're going, the prophecy is they're going to be wiped out, 
But now Isaiah turns to the whole earth is under judgment. Mm -hmm. And there's really this relationship. It's like slave and master, creditor and debtor kind of relationship is how it's being turned. Well, and it's like, there, he, I think he's saying, I don't know, this is what I think he's saying in that, is like, it doesn't matter in what position you are, yeah. whether you're a slave or a master, everything is going to be destroyed and yeah, wiped out that's and overturned. How he ends it. He has all these kind of, as the lender, so with the borrower. Like, it all, he finishes by saying, the earth shall be utterly empty and utterly plundered, for the Lord has spoken this word. Mm-hmm. So then he talks about the, how the, it's just so sad because the earth, remember, is a character in the story that was created by God's word mm-hmm. with beauty and joy and in his order. And it's all fallen apart because um, the people that were created in God's image to work with it, mm-hmm. to God's glory and to our comfort, it's all failed. And so ev- as far as the curse is found, it's like joy to the world, right? right? As far as the curse is found, as far as the curse is found, the curse has infected everything. So the earth, there's nowhere to hide, essentially. The earth will quake. It staggers like a drunk man. Mm-hmm. Now, I do want to point out that almost all prophecy <laughs> yes. is dealing with uh, now. Uh, an immediate and uh, later. We call it the now and not yet. Yes. Sure. Yes. I call it the now and later. Okay. Oh, I, lo- yeah. I used to love that candy <laughs> until uh, I got older and realized it rips out crowns yeah. in your teeth. Ooh. Fun. That's a fun yeah. lesson that mm-hmm. you'm sure you learned in real time. I didn't, ha- didn't oh, learn okay. it. I saw it happen to others. Oof. Uh, there's always been fluoride in my water, you know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> so, he is talking about, like, the land, like, the land of Israel and all the surrounding nations are going to be devoid, not utterly empty, because the Assyrians and the Babylonians are going to come in yes. and just uh, control and destroy everything. And, and then he's also, though, talking about the overarching, like, the whole world is infected with this sin and will one day require judgment. Yes. It's almost like, um, okay, you, you see a little baby bear or something, mm-hmm. and that baby bear starts acting crazy. Mm-hmm. You deal with that, but you also recognize there's a mama bear somewhere that's going to act just as crazy. Mm-hmm. So like that's the now and not yet. Like yes. Right now you're dealing with uh, one roach, but you right. know there's thousands more roaches where that came from. Right. And so in these prophecies, it's like right now we're going to live through this craziness, mm-hmm. but this is just a small picture of the spiritual realities there is a much bigger babylon mm-hmm. out there yes and yes. and so that's kind of the cool thing well he goes from the whole earth then to talking about those realities uh, i think it was in verse 21 where he says on that day the lord will punish the hosts of heaven in heaven and the kings of the <clears throat> earth on the yes, earth yes and so he turns to like even fallen angels will be judged demonic mm-hmm. powers all those things like ev- nothing will escape the uh, cleansing fire and wrath of God. Right. But remember, God's only, his wrath always serves a purpose. And that's what he'll un, he's unfolding for us. It's mm-hmm. never just to, for chaos and disorder and wrath for itself. It's always to cleanse and save something. Right. So he turns to the spiritual world. Um, everything's defeated. But then there's one more thing that needs to be defeated in chapter 25 our one last enemy, death itself. So the earth, the spiritual forces, and then death itself. And this is, so this is chapter 25, um, highly referenced in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were reading, we just read in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul uses the idea. In fact, he gets his verse, he gets his ideas from death is swallowed up. 
in First yes. Corinthians chapter fifteen. Uh, and then, if as you go further, I think it's verse eight. Um, yeah, he says in chapter twenty-five of Isaiah, he will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. So now we're turning to redemption. <clears throat> okay, so. I'm just connecting things yes. kind of in real time. Good, do uh, it. So that that phrase, and the reproach of his people will take he will take away from all the earth, that is also <clears throat> the language that he uses when he brings his people into the promised land. Yes. And they go into, they land and they call the first city on the other side of the Jordan, Gilgal, where it says, where it means roll away because the reproach was rolled away. So this idea that, when God finally brings his people into the ultimate resting place and the ultimate promised land, the new earth, the new creation, that is when all reproach is rolled away yes. by God. Man. Anyways. Well, also within the surrounding areas, the Canaanite mythology had God, their gods destroyed death for the season. So mm-hmm. like there's, there's a God of death in winter, right? right? Well, we made it through winter. Our God beat, we beat death for winter. Now we got to fight death in spring and in summer and in fall. And what Isaiah is boldly proclaiming is that the Lord of Lords will demonstrate his kingly authority to swallow up death over all season forever and ever. Correct. And what happens to us is, see, right now we're plagued with death, right? Yes. So because of Adam's sin, we are plagued with sickness and sadness, all this stuff. But when you are in Christ, life plagues death now. Mm-hmm. So now death can't shake <clears throat> this life that we have in yes, Christ. And so yes. he, he switches it. Like life is pursuing and plaguing and wiping out death completely. Mm-hmm. So this is what we've waited for. And this is what will save us. So he has these lines about like, um, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. So a lot of our responsibility in this is to trust the Lord and wait for all this to happen because his word is true. Mm-hmm. And then um, the idea, too, is that he's preparing a feast to celebrate swallowing up death forever on Mount Zion. Like, even the idea of the Lord's Supper, like there's going to be this great supper where we celebrate the complete death of death. Mm -hmm. And that's what Christ is doing in the Lord's Supper. That's what Isaiah is promising for those who can trust in the work of God and look to God to fix all this. And then it flows into chapter 26 where... A nice song. Oh, man, beautiful song. God will keep his people in perfect peace, mm-hmm. whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I mean, that's the one thing I'm starting to, uh, every year I settle in more and more. You know, you want to be a good Christian. You want, you want to experience life and the fruits of the Spirit. Then you just got to keep your mind on these truths. You got to trust him. You got to trust him more than all your strength and more than your works or the works of people, more than successful ideas or successful people, you got to trust the Lord and look to him always. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's a um, <clears throat> beautiful song about the strong city and the path of the righteous is level and you make level the way of righteousness. And it's, um, it really is great. Yeah. And there, I do see this song too. There's a, I feel like it's talking about the church age. Okay. A little bit. What's the church age? Basically where Christ is ruling and reigning and is slowly gathering the nations underneath him and is teaching. Because there is like a an active, like, 
your judgments are in the earth, inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. And so there is this like working with like the inhabitants of the, un, like the unrighteous are still in this land where Christ is ruling, where God is ruling, and they are learning and being sub- coming under subjection and being either rooted out or uh, submitting to the rule of Christ. It's interesting. Church age, is that a, um, that's a theological word or is that something from... I don't know. You were raised just, hearing the church age. I just pulled it out of my That's interesting because I think of, yeah, well, it's it's after Christ's resurrection. resurrection yeah. Age. Yes. But yeah, because he literally ascends to heaven to sit at the right hand mm-hmm. of God the Father Almighty. From thence, he will come to judge the living and the dead. Well, I, I just like, there's so many lines, but one of them was, you know, there's no salvation apart from God. Mm-hmm. And on our own, he says, we've given birth to wind apart from him. Yes, I know. So it's I like know. In all, even like in your child rearing, like the things you have control, you know, mm-hmm. it's like giving birth to a human turns into, if it's only in your strength, it turns into passing gas, mm-hmm. if I can be so blunt. Oh, okay. Giving birth to wind. Yes. I mean, again, what a great phrase uh, yeah, to call like... someone out in the car. Did someone just give birth to wind? <laughs> this reminds me of your works apart from God. <laughs> Turn to him and fart no more. Uh yeah, I think right after that, he says, I love this line. We have accomplished no deliverance yes. in the earth, and the inhabitants of the world have not fallen. And I'm like, oh, man, that is, that is exactly Dude, what's that's happening. A, that's the second part of mine. We writhed in, like, childbirth, but gave birth to wind. Yes. And then, and then in that, you just realize we have accomplished nothing here. Exactly. Apart from, apart from God, you... Are dust. Well, then in verse 19... I know, and then he flips it on he us. He says, but the dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy, for your dew is a dew of light, mm-hmm. and the earth will give birth to the dead. So like, in all your striving, you can't give birth anymore. There's no creative life light in you, but Christ will reverse it and bring and overwhelm death and make you an agent of life and light, which is so cool. That is the gospel. And so... Again, the Old Testament proving to be everything the New Testament is, only better. Right. Because now it's not um, not yet, it's, it's happened in Christ. And right. now our now is that Christ is doing it now, and then we're waiting for it fully to be made manifest physically. Yes. So he ends, again, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the rejoice thing. And then you get to chapter 27, right? Right. Redemption. And it begins with... You start to get, I start to anyway, get sidetracked. Like, oh, it says uh, the sword will punish the Leviathan. Yes. The fleeing serpent. Yes. Uh, okay. And uh, he'll slay the dragon that is in the sea. And you immediately, as a human, want to start to figure out secret things. Right? right, right, right. Okay, so the devil, is this the serpent or the Leviathan? Or is this proof that there's, uh, and it's. Like, right. And then if you are familiar with the Bible at all, you start going like, <laughs> wait, there's the beast in earth and in the sea and in Revelation and. No. Okay. Well, you do a minor search into what's happening in the world at that time, <laughs> yes. and you realize he's just trying to use common day language. And I think we've addressed this before. Yeah. The Leviathan again was just a an ancient idea of chaos, like the manifestation of chaos and evil in the world. Yeah. And the Lord, with his sword, will slay this dragon. He'll kill all. Essentially, when you read this stuff, it's God's killing all chaos and disorder. Yes. Which 
again, both words are so packed, chaos Mm -hmm. and disorder. Mm -hmm. God is the God of order. He creates things to work. And I was thinking about that today. What's the biggest frustration in your life on a daily basis? When things don't go as planned. Yes. I had my day ordered. I was supposed to get in my car and drive to work. But now my car has a flat tire. Mm-hmm. Ah, ah, it's disorder. Right. And so the enemy tempts us to think that disorder is freedom. Mm-hmm. But actually disorder is insecurity, frustration, and death. Because mm-hmm. we weren't ordered. God didn't create this thing for us to die and to suffer. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So... Ultimately, the Lord controls, restrains, and defeats all evil. This is chapter 27. Yes. And uh, I do, and the thing that you bring to this is it may describe Satan. Yeah. Like, it does describe Satan. It's not like... Because he's an agent of chaos. Right. And so that's why you, you see these things and you go, oh, that describes who Satan mm-hmm. is. It's not necessarily, and the intent of these authors is not to tell you things they don't know. Right. Like, they're just using language right. that's familiar to that time. And it accomplishes the same purpose. Like, yeah. oh, our God defeats all chaos and disorder. So then he refers back, basically, because this is the second time he's bringing up the vineyard yes. metaphor. Oh, and the, the, first, the first time, God was tending the vineyard and wild grapes right. were produced and he just wanted to purge the entire vineyard and start afresh. And now... We're re-seeing the vineyard, and God is actively working it and tending to it. And very, like, it just shows to me, reading this, you see God is very active and very involved in the lives of his people. And he cares more about the church, his people, his kingdom, than we can. Right. In fact, I was as I walk, I, I walk through my backyard in the mornings praying, and we've had so much rain in the last several months mm-hmm. that my beautiful grass, I've been fighting with my grass, and the weeds are taking over. Uh-oh. And I've sprinkled the stuff to kill it. I've spent time like cutting out parts of the grass, and I've lost the war. It's just too rebellious. And that's what it reminds me of with this vine thing. It's like there's a point where legitimately I know I'm going to have to till my whole grass if I want real grass there again. Mm-hmm. And now if you're the grass, you're going, why are you killing us and wiping us out? And I'm going, because I'm trying to make you healthy again. And that's the idea here. But then you realize, but this true vine language, Jesus in, in John 15, I think it's 15, Jesus, the true vine, he has made us living branches through mm-hmm. faith in him. And so he's atoned for us and our sin. And um, that stuff has been removed all the wild grapes in the sense. So that was cool. Like, again, Jesus, when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, yeah. it should stir up in the minds of the prophets and the priests and anyone who knows the scriptures, you're saying you're the branch, you're the healthy branch in God's vineyard yes. that we're all going to be sprouting from. Yes. That's why they react so harshly to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But the fruit of God's good works will bless the whole world, and that's what we've seen, is that the fruit that comes from the branch, Christ, has been saving the world for 2,000 years. And then uh, he goes into kind of describing what he will do to the people he used to punish his children. To, uh, uh, really? Yes, he goes... I thought it was to Samaria and Jerusalem he was... Well, he's, he's talking to them, but he's saying, has, has he struck them? Has he struck those who struck them? So he's saying, uh, he's saying like, 
I'm going to uh, strike Assyria and Babylon harder than I have used them to strike you. Like the tools of my uh, discipline, I will punish them a lot more fiercely than I punished my people. Okay. And, and so he's going, I will punish you, my people, because I care about you, and I'm trying to bring you into repentance and restore this relationship, but the tools that I've used, they will be utterly destroyed. Okay. Because I was, I guess I was focusing more on the imagery of uh, Samaria, or it's referred to as Ephraim here, sat on a hill like a crown. Wait, you're ahead though. I'm in chapter 28. Yeah, you jumped ahead. Oh, that's why I didn't... chapter 27 yet. Oh, I was like, what are you talking about? I know. Okay. And uh, so anyways, he, so he's reminding yeah. them, look, I care about you. I'm not completely des- yeah. destroying you guys. I'm... I'm uh, just punishing you right now to bring you back. And um, and then he has this promise that in that day a great trumpet will be blown oh, and yeah. those who were lost in the land of Assyria and those who were driven out to the land of Egypt will come and worship the Lord on the holy mountain at Jerusalem. And so again, we get another picture of what will happen in those times after all everyone's been exiled He's saying you will come back. And the trumpet is to gather the mm-hmm. people for war, gather the people for celebration. Like mm-hmm. they use trumpets. The trumpet shall sound. Yes. And we hear that in the New Testament too. At the end of all things, it's a similar idea. Mm-hmm. The trumpet sounds and God gathers his people who were lost in exile. Right. And he does that then. He will do well, hopefully. We'll get to that part of the story. But, um, and now, that's the promise. That's the yeah. promise we have though that uh, we have now under the reign of Christ. The trumpet will blow and all the dead will be raised to worship God mm-hmm. uh, in the, the place where he is. Now we can get into so then, 28. Well, 28 then. So that, that is good news. Mm-hmm. So you have all these oracles of doom, but then the promise the, is the comfort is God's not going to forget about you. But before we... Uh, so enjoy that. But Jerusalem and Samaria, I need you to wake up. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that's what he said. He goes, you're like a crown. So Samaria was this city on a hill mm-hmm. that was like a crown. But he says, you, the crown is coming down. <laughs> the Lord of hosts, yeah. basically, you're like a fading flower. You're, with, uh, you're so into luxury and drunkenness right. that you're fading fast. And I guess uh, I was reading archaeologists found like, they found all these things from this time period where it indicates they were really living in luxury. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so this is shocking news from Isaiah. He's like, you guys are not the crown and the glory of this area. Right, the in Lord fact, is. The Lord of hosts will be the crown of glory. And then there's this idea that all who believe will receive an unfading crown of glory. It's so cool. Like, mm-hmm. um, but I just think well, we have to be careful too not to become drunk with love of self. I do love his, he's like, um, since you guys can't hear yeah, the yeah. word of the Lord through my plain language to you, you will learn it through the language of a foreign nation that will come and take you away <laughs> into exile. How about that? Uh, and then he even has a line of like, who can I teach? Who will listen? I guess I'll teach the, the babies, freshly weaned. Yeah, precept upon precept, line yeah. upon line. I will teach them instead because the adults aren't getting it. Because they don't understand the words that are being said. Yes. So 
I mean, we, we could get into it. Then it moves to, so Ephraim or Samaria is deaf. And then Jerusalem is kind of, you know, they're feeling good because, well, Samaria is gone, but we're still good. And he's like, no, you've made a covenant with death, which right. is Egypt. Like you're Egypt. making, de- yes. you're looking to Egypt to save you. So uh, you're in trouble too. Yes. And then they make these amazing, he makes this amazing uh, reference and poetic reference to, so he's like, you made this covenant of death. And then he uses all the language of aligning yourself with Egypt. You might as well be align- aligning yourself with the angel of death. Yes. Because the angel of death will just pass on through you, just I, like we did with Egypt. I wish we could think like that more often. Mm-hmm. Like, am I aligning? What Am I trusting with something that's just death? Mm-hmm. Like, that's just go- destined to die? Or am I aligned with the living God? And uh, anyway. But there is this amazing reference to the cornerstone. Oh, yeah. Uh, that God is There's going... There's so much in these chapters, know, it's too much. Man. But the cornerstone that God is going to create and build his entire people upon this perfect stone that, of course, Christ references this, this and says, I am that stone that the builders rejected, yeah. um, but I am the perfect cor- cornerstone that the people of God will be built upon and considered righteous. And then uh, the final idea is God's wrath is alien, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Isaiah's like, I know this feels alien. This feels weird. And that's the struggle we have today when we talk about God's wrath. I thought God was loving. Yes. Why is he killing all these people? And so Isaiah addresses, that's not a new issue mm-hmm. or a, you know, a, a modern, wow, thinking person's thought. It's been from the beginning, like, why would God do this? Mm-hmm. And Isaiah explains it. He's like, it's the same reason. I already explained it with the grass, really. But he uses farming. Yeah. It's the same reason you plow a field. You have to kill everything in the field to make room to grow the new stuff. But he says there's an end to plowing. A farmer doesn't just plow endlessly. Mm -hmm. So there'll be an end to discipline. There'll be an end to wrath to make room for the life. Right. And that is something, as Christians, we can't get sucked into the argument. Like, is God unfair? I mean, that's, that's the really first accusation of the enemy. Like, you're God's... Says he's loving, but he really is he? Mm-hmm. And yes, he's he really preparing, is. he's making life, he's killing death in you, and so that life can raise up. So endure this, endure whatever discipline you're going through by looking to Christ and hoping that his plans come to fruition. All right. All right. So All right. at the end of it, I would say seek refuge in the word of God. New Testament reading for today, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16 through chapter 12, verse 10. Well, sweet Paul. <laughs> Paul's I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Yeah, Paul's, t- if I would too. I mean, well, if you've ever been in ministry or trying to help anybody you love, you will at some point say, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> And you know, the last thing, a, let's just take a parent, or the last thing a teacher wants to do in a class is spend time explaining to the rebellious classroom why the teacher deserves to be there. Right, like, <laughs> a teachers very rarely spend time giving you their credentials. Uh-huh. And so halfway through a semester, if a teacher finds himself having to say, I went to this school, and I got a bachelor's here, and I got a master's here, and I did this and this, so... You're having to defend yourself. The teacher's... Busting out their CV. Yeah, the CV. 
Uh, yeah, curriculum vitae. I don't know these words. Anyway. Your life experience. I'm about to ask you to explain <laughs> why are you here? What are your credentials? <laughs> no. Um, you're smarter than I am. I have none. Um, That's the hilarious part of this whole thing. No. That's not true. You've been preparing your whole life for this, man. I mean, they're all experiential. So you got, you got Paul having to now defend himself, which is absurd. Mm-hmm. And so uh, apparently the false prophets are doing everything Paul does, but are, it's skewed, right? So they're preaching, they're collecting money, and they're appealing to people for yeah. their own profit. And they're giving a good show. And so now that's putting Paul, we kind of covered this yesterday, but or the day before, whatever last time was. And they're confusing Paul's ministry. So it's looking like he's the less desirable prophet. Like, cool, Paul, or you maybe probably not even a real prophet. Right. You, you kind of they don't even remember you got us turned on to this gospel thing. They're just going, Why would we trust you? Mm-hmm. You're not Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. You're like some guy on the side of the street who looks homeless on a soapbox saying we're all going to go to hell. We don't like that. We don't trust that. And we tell people, oh, we're not with him. You know what I mean? Like, yes. have you ever seen one of those guys? Uh, yeah. And, I, and I've said before in my life, like, one of those guys yelling on the side of the street, kind of street preaching, I guess. I've said, oh, no, that's not the kind of Christian I am. Mm-hmm. And I don't honestly, I don't know if I was that was right of me or wrong of me because I didn't listen to the guy enough. I just didn't right. like his presentation, so right. I immediately sold him out. So I am the sinner here, cool. and I think um, I think that's what's happening here. Is they're like, you seem crazy to us now, Paul, because mm-hmm. everything in your life is bad, and we you aren't even able to heal yourself. Like you have these infirmaries and these things, and you're you're just a loser. Yes. So Paul's like, okay, um, I'm a fool because I didn't exploit you. Mm-hmm. You're right. Maybe I should have deceived you, taken your money. Um, Struck you, yeah. devoured you. Okay. And maybe I should have bragged about myself a little bit more. So let me uh, do that now. So here, let me let you know, let me let you know who I am. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. I'm born in the right tribe at the right time under Abraham. Like if you're looking for connection to the ancient faith and the secret angel language of Hebrew, yeah, I'm a master of it. Yes. I'm, I'm literally born in the right place at the right time by the right people. Not to mention, I've been uh, whipped 40 times minus one, 40 lashes minus one, because mm-hmm. one more might kill you, five times. Yeah. I've been beaten three times with rods. I've been stoned once. I've been shipwrecked. I've been in danger of nature, robbers, the Jews, the Gentiles, the false brothers, hunger, thirst, daily pressure, and on top of it all, the daily pressure of the anxiety for my churches. You're right. I'm a total loser. <laughs> or I'm a total beast. <laughs> and nothing can stop me. So I'm either a complete gladiator, and you should be scared of me, because how is this man, like, this is like how a, is this guy a horror movie that you can't kill the bad guy. So I'm a total loser, or I'm a complete beast. What is it? Um, I do want to point out, I mean, Paul is just on the go, nonstop. And reading this, and even kind of slightly understanding what the physical toll on any one of these beatings or Uh, disciplines would have on you, like, he shouldn't be mobile. And so, like, the idea of the Holy Spirit's healing 
of him and empowering of him to continue on to preach the gospel throughout the known world is intense. Let's put it this way. I've, since I was a young child, have felt a strong call by God to be a minister. Mm -hmm. At one point, I was waiting on an acceptance letter to a seminary. Yes. If I did not get that letter of acceptance, I would have taken myself out of the ministry. Oh, I'm not smart enough. I can't Mm -hmm. do it. That's all it would have taken for little Adam Barker. (laughs) Meanwhile, Paul is being beaten five times. I mean, shipwrecked. And we know that. Eight times. Stoned, left for dead once. Right, right, right. That one time, Jews stoned him and left him for dead. And thought he was dead. Right. To the point, and they've done this. They've seen this go down. And they stoned him to the point where they're like, he's dead. Oh, he's dead. Okay. And they move on. Problem solved. So, like, I think after the first lash, the first time, not the fifth time, the first lash, I'm apologizing and I'm saying, I don't believe in Jesus anymore because where's Jesus now? And so Paul is forced to say this and he says, I speak as a fool, but you guys want credentials. Here they are. Mm-hmm. I am committed to the gospel. That's it. Yes. The only thing, the only power I have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I give my life for it and I gave the gospel to you all. We're in this together. That's the only power I'm wielding here. I'm, it's the power of Christ. And then he goes on. Yeah. So, so, okay, at that part, it's like you would think those are all his failings. Because like, if I'm trying to follow you, Matt, and mm-hmm. you're getting beaten, and I hear about it, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to meet with Matt this week. Why not? Oh, I'm a little tired, and I, I got to catch up on some family time. I don't want to be beaten. Uh, also, but it is also showing like I'm committed to this bit. Yes. Like, none of this is going to turn me away from Christ. And, and then look at his perspective. So I've suffered, no doubt, for the gospel. But I've also seen incredible things. Mm-hmm. I've seen healings. I've seen resurrections. I've seen the power of God work so mightily. In fact, I was pulled up into paradise. Paradise. And so uh, he's pulled up into paradise, and he's, like, very kind of not trying to talk about it a lot. He's like, I don't know. Was it my body? Was it a vision? Was it real? I don't know. The Lord knows. Mm -hmm. But I saw real truth. I saw amazing things. And the idea of paradise is... So the word paradise comes from Persians, the Persian word for a king's garden. And so the idea that the Jews had was that God had transported Eden into heaven. And so when he's referring to paradise, he's like, I went into the garden of Eden and and saw God. Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. paradise. And so there's this idea that when you die, you go to paradise. Mm -hmm. Your soul goes to paradise where you're hanging out. Your soul is made perfect. You're with Jesus. And then you're awaiting the resurrection of the body where we come back down onto the earth, the new creation. Yes. And so Paul went there, comes back down, and then is harassed by some kind of demonic manifestation, Mm -hmm. physical illness, whatever. Paul does what you're supposed to do. And he's admitting all this, right? So he's like, I've seen amazing things. I've also been, I've been at the depths. I've been at the heights. And then at the end of it all, I get this thing that I'm praying to God to get rid of. Right. Now, I've, I've healed people. Why right. can't I heal myself? It's the thing they said to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You saved others, save yourself. It's the thing that you will do in your Christian life. You've seen other people healed. Why am I not getting healed? Right. Well, here's the answer God gives them. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. That's, this is how he ends it. 
He says, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to end at least this section. I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Boom. No one likes this. <laughs> it sounds so great. Like, yes. But you know what it means? It means you recognize that you're helpless. Right. Here's what it means to me. I raise kids. I'm raising kids. They're going off to college. I am scared spitless. I'm scared. Mm -hmm. Because if they fail, I failed as a parent. And you'd say, no, Adam, you've been a good parent. You did the best you could. Right. But the truth of the law is, did I do everything possible to equip them, to set them up? Have I done everything possible? And the answer is no. Mm -hmm. I'm unable to. Mm -hmm. So then once you recognize my weakness, then I go, God, would you have mercy? And you know what God says? Adam, I'm going to pick up the slack. Right. Where you failed your kids, I will succeed. Where you didn't give them, I will give them. Why? Because you're asking. And in your weakness, where you have failed, I will make it good. I will give you things you don't deserve. Mm-hmm. And then when you get those things, when I get well-adjusted, God-loving adult children, I will say to you, Matt, uh, praise God. Mm-hmm. In my weakness, God has been strong. And I can already say that too. Like Even going to some, even getting into yes. ministry... I would have left the ministry for nothing. Mm-hmm. But my weakness, God has shown his strength, and here I am 20 years later in ministry, and I can attest to you how he has shown up over and over again, not because of my brilliance, but in spite of it. Yeah, this... Wait, in spite of my brilliance, in spite of my mm. non-brilliance. Uh, this takes me back, actually, to our Isaiah reading. Where again, yeah. we admit we have accomplished no deliverance in the earth, but then say, Oh Lord, you have indeed done for us all our works. Yeah. We can't do anything. Lord, you have to do it all. Here's the phrase that pays. Listen carefully. The sooner we can come to grips with our weakness, the sooner God's strength can manifest itself in mm-hmm. our lives. Repent, believe, request, and then give thanks. Love it. You waited 38 minutes for that punchline. Good job, people. You did it. Our psalm today will be Psalm chapter 106, verses 40 through 48. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he abhorred his heritage. He gave them into the hand of the nations, so that those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes, and they were brought low through their iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant, and he relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. He caused them to be pitied by all those who held them captive. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord.
You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.